Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. How are we going, Lift? Are we doing all right? Let me have a look at you. So not. You guys are a great bunch of people, you know that? Like, as much as Nate's all like, yeah, Beck has a good heart. You guys have beautiful hearts and I just love doing family with you and church family so it's good to see you good to see you oh can you believe it that Easter is literally around the corner sorry I got something in my eye um that came really quick hey we're we're fully into March fully into March um and so yeah this month we thought it would be the best idea to actually focus in on um the fact that Jesus lives that he didn't just die, but he resurrected three days later and, and we have life because of him. It's amazing. Um, and so uh, I just never get sick about talking about it, really. Um, last week we had Pastor Nate kick off this series, Because He Lives, um, and he kicked it off with, Because He Lives, I am free. I can live free. And, and the fact that through Jesus' death and resurrection, we, we actually now have an option to either be a slave to sin or we can actually you know we can take control ourselves and and have Jesus as our Lord and Savior and not be a slave to to yeah the flesh and to sin and and to death really and so if you haven't listened to that podcast we actually have that on podcast up on our website you can check that out Um, and I'd really encourage you to just as a bit of a refresher just to have that moment of wow Jesus you're amazing Um, but also to kind of help set you up for this series this month um, so yeah, so today, um, as Pastor Nate mentioned last week, my uh, title or the theme for today is because. Oh, everyone, no, you're all good. You're all good. <laughs> We're loose. We're a bit loose here. Um, sorry, I'm like train of thought. Yeah, I'm good. All right. So the title, as Pastor Nate mentioned um, last week, was that. Today we'd be talking about because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And um, and I am ashamed I didn't know that song when he mentioned it last week. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't saved then. So I didn't, yeah, I just, I missed that era of really good classics. Yeah, yeah, I feel like I missed out on something. Um, so yeah, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. That's actually a promise we have because of Jesus's death and resurrection. And and as I was kind of thinking about this message and, and what I felt God would like me to bring, you know, I, my mind kept on going to those situations um, where, you know, it's it's tragic or, you know, something, an event would happen where it actually becomes difficult to contemplate tomorrow, where... Um, uh, actually, when I was uh, preparing for this, I came across this news article about this um, horrific accident where a family actually um, was on a head-on collision with um, their whole family in the car with a drunk driver. And, and for the parents, they actually saw one of their children die right in front of their eyes. And so when I think of having or being able to face tomorrow, I think of situations like that where it's like, that is a tr- that's a real question. How do I face tomorrow? How do I have hope for tomorrow when something like that can happen just like that, uh, especially in, a, in an untimely way? And so I was thinking, God, you know, 
Yes, when I was 14, my nan passed away and that was tragic for me. It's like she really was my second home. She lived a couple of houses away. And, and so for me as a 14-year-old, that was difficult. That was, okay, tomorrow is going to look different. What's that going to look like? How can I have hope to continue when I felt like, you know, my third parent had just gone? She's gone now. And so that was difficult. But but what God actually brought me to in preparing for this today was that, yes, we do have those tragic situations. We have those events where they're monumental and they really do leave us questioning, how can we hope for tomorrow? But we also have moments where it's kind of like a build-up of maybe just little things, little tensions, um, just situations that pop up in our life where we feel like, yeah, we're just managing it, we're managing it, until we get to a point where we actually really are frustrated and, and we've believed the lie of your situation's never going to change or, you know, you kind of get what I mean. Sometimes it's not just one massive event. Sometimes it's a little thing over time. And um, as many of you would know, our journey over the last couple of years with selling our house, um, that, that for me, that definitely had moments where it's like, my situation's not changing. You know, no one has um, put in any interest for this house. Uh, you know, it's been ages and, and nothing's changing. And even more recently, just with relational issues and things like that, just feeling like this isn't being resolved in the time that I would love it to be resolved. And so I got to this point where I was just feeling frustrated. I was feeling like, God, you know, how is this how is this going to end? When is this going to end? And so we start to think about, can we actually have hope for tomorrow? Can we actually, you know, what is tomorrow going to look like in that kind of a way? And um, so that's kind of where we're going this morning. But um, on the flip side of that, I know I totally like just bummed us out a little bit there, but I have news. And Pastor Nate did talk about this last week. Um, and we posted it on the city and stuff like that because we really wanted to thank you guys for praying with us. Um, but we have sold our house and, and so we're really excited. We've got less than two weeks to go before we... Sandy reminded me this morning that this is our second last trip from Canning Vale to church on a Sunday. So it's good. We're really excited. Um, and so with that, I'm, I'm so glad that this season has been resolved. But through it, God's definitely taught me some things. And, and those are the things that I really want to share with you this morning. Um, so yeah, so we're preparing, right? We're, we're packing up the house. We're putting things in boxes. And, and something in particular, other than being here in the town of Vic Park, being here where our church is and just being able to reach my neighbours and my community, really. Apart from that, what I'm really enjoying is moving our mismatched furniture on. You know, as newlyweds, how, you know, you're so appreciative because you're like, I don't have a sofa. I don't have a, you know, fridge or whatever. And so you're like, when it comes to you, like, yes, thank you, God, for your provision. And so I feel like you haven't really done the newlywed thing unless you've got some hand-me-downs, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, it's not really legit unless you've got some hand-me-downs. So five years in now, though... We happen to be in this um, situation where I can move our mismatched furniture on and, and so it's really nice um, and I'm just really enjoying 
being a bit of a homemaker, being a bit of a designer and just being able to, you know, go online and be like, ooh, what should we get? And, and kind of get it our, our own style, our own look kind of happening. And when I say our, probably more referring, yeah, he's nodding and saying, I'm referring to my style and my look because he's like, I don't really care. You can look after it. Say thanks, Nate. I love it. It's just don't say, I know, I know. We have a budget. It's good. Um, I'm not going to go too crazy. He's like convinced that I'm going to buy a dining chair for $160. We're having this conversation. Anyway, anyway, I would never do that. Just putting it out there, I'll never do that. Um, where are we going with this? There's a point to the story, I assure you. Um, so, you know, with this whole designing process and figuring out the look and the style I want, you can't do it without the help of Pinterest, right? Any, any Pinterest people in the house? Yes, yes. So on Pinterest, it's basically this app that you can go on and, and you look up whatever you want, really, and just all these posts will come up about that. And so it's the perfect place to um, start to put a bit of a creative board. What do they call it? Like a storyboard is that what you said story dream board dream board okay let's put it that way so it's a great app for doing that and so I was putting my dream board together of what I want a house to look like and um and I worked out that my style um that I really like is the minimalist style I think we have a picture my yep yes so this basically is my look and you can probably tell from what I'm wearing it's very like you know minimalist not too much going on, not too busy, that kind of thing. So that's that look, right? So I figured out that that's my look. The other day, um, we were waiting for an appointment and on the coffee table, just where we were sitting, I could see this article about this minimalist style. So I was like, cool, you know, I'll have a flick through, maybe I'll find some other things I can add to my dream board. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't uh, about the pictures and stuff like that, really. It was actually more about the psychology and the thinking behind this minimalist style. So I thought, how interesting, this is cool. So I read through it and basically what this article was saying is that um, this generation of millennials, so the 1970s to 1990s kind of um, generation, um, they are really into this style because what this style does is that it declutters everything. It brings things back to basics. Yeah, it gets rid of any noise or any loud kind of um, colour schemes and things like that. And, and yeah, it's, it's really about coming back to basics. And so I realised that, yeah, that, that actually runs real parallel to me and to my attitude kind of towards life, not just in how I dress, not just in how I want our house to look, but actually when it, when it comes to the situations in my life and to my relationships and things like that, I, I actually started to think, wow, I really like life to be simple. I really like life to, to be void of drama. Um, I think The Bachelor and Bachelorette has way enough drama for all of us. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I'm like, leave drama for that. Totally. I... I don't want any of it in my life. I'd prefer things to be simple. I um, I love administration. And you know the Reminders app on your iPhone? How you just put things in and then you can check it off like that. I would love if life could just be like that. Where it's like, bang, square that away. Bang, that's done. Put that away. I would love if life functioned like that. But surprise, surprise, it doesn't, does it? Especially when it comes to our relationships and especially when it comes to the tensions in our life, as much as we'd love for them to be resolved, 
in a way and in a time that we'd like them to be, often they're really not. Um, and so that's where I found myself um, in, in these recent situations that had come up and with our house that I wanted things to be squared away and I was getting frustrated that they weren't in a timely manner. And, and I think this is where the issue of hope really comes in. I think this is actually where we begin to lose hope the most. It first starts off with doubt. It starts off with those feelings and those thoughts of doubt. Um, but slowly, if we're not careful, it can actually really lead us to a place of hopelessness and helplessness that really, in fact, we believe my situation's not going to change. This is never, ever going to look different. But that can be a really dangerous place to be in. And um, that's when God brought me to the scripture, Hebrews 6.19. I bought um, this. Actually, we were at a Vic Park Markets, and I think it was around the time where we were sussing out um, whether to plant lift here. And so it's held a real special place for myself. And so we got that framed up in our house. Um, but the scripture says this. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Now, like I said, I love this scripture and it holds a, a special place for me. But often I would love it when life is going well. And I'm like, yeah, Jesus is our hope and it's firm and secure and nothing's going to change and he's an anchor and it's all so good. And I love it when life is going great and I can, you know, smile at that scripture and be like, yeah. It's true. But it's, it's in the recent times that I found it really difficult to believe that, that it was easy to hope in God or, or, you know, hope was easy to find in my situation. And in fact, I really started to take issue with the word curtain in this scripture. Curtains, and because I'm in house mode, I'm like thinking about curtains. Um, <laughs> weird. Um, curtains are made to divide, right? That's literally why they're created to divide people put them up in their houses up on their windows so that people can't see in right you put them up in your house so that people know the areas that they shouldn't go in and so for me this word curtain start to really bug and irritate me because it felt like in my situation that this curtain wasn't lovely pretty and like you know sheer you could see through it and you could see what Jesus was doing you could see the hope um, in the situation but it was actually really hard to see and this curtain started to feel to me really thick and solid and that Jesus, the forerunner of our faith, has just run behind it and disappeared out of my situation. And it left me feeling with that sense of, where's my hope gone? He's dashed behind the curtain. All right, see you later, Jesus. Thanks for leaving me on this side of the curtain, all to my own devices. And sometimes we can start to feel that way and we can start to see God in that kind of a light. But I, we know that that's not helpful. Um, the other day we were in Target and um, I think that's my next picture. But in Target we, uh, <laughs> we were talking about dining chairs actually. And um, so we finished up with that and we were heading just around. This guy looks like my nephew. Just saying, Judah. 
I found it. I was like, oh, it's Gina. Um, so, yeah, I thought I'd use it. Um, so, we found, we actually found this toy, right? This is a, like, cutout from the Target catalogue. And I loved this kind of stuff growing up. Like, I loved those kitchen sets that you can get and you can kind of play kitchen, play house, or those little blackboards and those school settings. And I just loved that stuff as a kid. So, we kind of went past and I was like, oh, I want to see it. And I saw the theatre part. So, I was like, right, this is a puppet theatre. That's cool. And then I went around the other side and saw that it was a market. I was like, I've never seen this before. I'd, uh, and yes, it's weird that I took notice of this. It's weird that I found it interesting, yes. Um, but I was like, okay, there's two, two sides to this curtain. That's really interesting. And for some reason, it really stuck with me. And it stuck with me because um, as I was preparing this message, I was thinking about how I was viewing these situations that I found myself in. And and it felt like to me that I was on the market side, that I was always on the market side of my situation, that I was the one doing the hard yards. I was the one working. Uh, we were the ones cleaning the house at any time of the day, really, because somebody said they wanted to come and view the house. We were the ones that were like, oh, what kind of strategy should we use? Um, you know, what kind of post should we use for our house? Should we drop the price? Should we do this? Should we do that? Um, and even with, you know, the relational things that were going on at that point, I was like, okay, what, what can I do? Can I serve more? Can I love more? Can I show that I care more? Can I encourage more? What can I do? And it felt like I was working hard to get these things squared away, that I was working hard to, to basically get these things resolved and to be able to move on with my life. And I felt like God was on the theatre side I felt like he was on the theatre side of the curtain, just sitting back and watching my life kind of just go the way it was. It felt like he was sitting back, just popping popcorn into his mouth and just watching me, watching me work my butt off, watching uh, me go through these moments of, of hopelessness and just questioning what's going to happen tomorrow. I honestly felt like he was just watching. He wasn't about to get up out of his comfy seat come and help me. I just felt like he was watching all of this happening and, and wasn't, wasn't helping me out at all. Anyone kind of relate? You, you ever feel that way where you're on the other side of the curtain and you're doing your best, you're doing your everything to get things sorted, but God's just not intervening. He's just not. And, and to a point where it's like, God, I can't even see you in this situation anymore. I have no clue where you are. I have no clue what you're doing. There were definitely moments like that and you just kind of feel completely lost. But it's amazing because God brought me to Romans 8.28. Let's have a look. Romans 8.28. And it says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called called according to his purpose. You see, what God, why God wanted me to take such notice of that little play set was because he wanted to remind me that he was on the market side, that he was not at all sitting back in the theatre. He was not at all just sitting back watching me and, and just leaving me to my own devices, but he was on the market side. He was working things out and he was working things out for my good even though I couldn't see him even though I had lost all bearing all um, GPS of where he was God was there he was doing his bit behind the curtain he was doing what only he could do in my situation and he was actually saying Beck 
I need you to actually come around this side of the curtain. I need you to shift your mind, shift your focus and get on the theatre side because I'm at work here, but you're missing it. I'm at work here and because you're busy with your head down, you're not seeing what I'm doing in your situation. You're not seeing the hope that you could have in this situation because you've got your head down in the mess thinking that it's all up to you when I'm on the market side and you need to be sitting in the theatre just watching and kind of being in awe of how great I am, by the way. It's awesome. God is awesome. And so he kind of flipped that on, on its head for me, that he was the one on the market side. He was the one at work. And, you know, it's really funny. This all came to a head and became so profoundly clear for me because the timing of the sale of our house and us purchasing our house was brilliant. I'm like, God, you are a mastermind, seriously. I waited two years, but I feel like it was all worth it at this point when God just revealed this to me. You know where we were when our house was sold? Some of you would know. We were in Tasmania holidaying it up. We were walking around Dove Lake thinking, oh, how beautiful it was. We were climbing mountains, being like, oh, fresh air, oxygen, nature is beautiful, it's all wonderful. We were, you know, sitting in these gorgeous quaint cafes in Tasmania, just loving life and just completely forgetting about our issues and our problems. And, and you know what I found really funny on this trip, actually? How easy it was for myself, I don't know about you, but you didn't talk about stuff, so I think you disconnected too. But... Um, because often he will talk, often he will talk. If he's thinking about things, he'll talk it out. But I found it so odd that we could quite easily disconnect from, from our life. And I was like, there's kind of something special about this. It's very, very strange. It's very weird. And you know what? It's because God wanted to make it so abundantly clear that while you are resting, while you are on holiday, while you've got your feet up in the theatre, I'm at work and I'm bringing this to a resolution. And so the second week we were there, I think it was yeah, a week in or two weeks in, our house was sold. We had an offer come in and it was done. We did the paperwork and it was all squared away. And I was like, God, you are so smart. But you would wait till we were resting. And, and he brought me to this passage in Proverbs where it says he gives rest to those he loves. Sometimes I think he's just waiting for us to put our feet up and to stop working hard and doing everything out of our strengths for him to actually be like, oh, so is this what you wanted two years ago? Okay, I think it's time for you to have it now. I think it's time because you've actually got this perspective now that I am at work, that I'm true to my word, that I am a good God and I love you and I'm at work and I'm working things out for your good. I love it. I love it. I just love how creative God is. Incredible. And so through all that, he taught me that hope, hope is actually more of a resting position rather than an active one. And it was funny as well because we did this study on faith, on the word faith, and, and we think that all of these virtues, hope and faith, are active things, that I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But really God's like, these things actually happen better or can, and can happen more effectively when you're at rest when you're simply just trusting in God. And so he taught me that hope, hope is more of 
a restful state. It's actually when I've put away all the things that I can do and I'm just now focusing in on what God is doing. And this isn't to cut us some slack at all. I really do believe that there are some situations where God's like, no, it's your turn now. It's your turn to actually do the work. We are God's hands and feet now. He's, he's not sending Jesus to die again on the cross. And so there are, there are things that we need to do. Don't get me wrong. But there are situations where it's like, I've done everything I can. And so now it's just over to you, God. I'm going to rest. I'm actually going to just hope in you. I'm just going to place my hope in you. Is that helping anyone today? Awesome. Awesome. And so I I get that. Yeah, yeah, okay, that is grateful. Thank you for those of you who are like, yeah, that's helpful. I found that helpful between me and God, my relationship with God, and, you know, the faith and the hope and and that kind of um, part of our relationship. But I guess... I was looking for something that I could practically do, something that I could, um, yeah, implement in, in my day-to-day so that I, I kept my hope in God. And, and so this is when he brought me back to the scripture. Let's read it again. Hebrews 6.19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. That's the part I want to focus in on now. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Because sometimes it's not so much that we're lacking hope or faith in God. Sometimes it's what our soul is trying to tell us. Sometimes it's our emotions telling us that, you know, no, this is tough. You know, this, this does suck being in this position. You know, our mo- emotions and our soul can really speak to us and, and help us to see all the negative things that really fights against our hope. But the thing is, is that hope is meant to be an anchor for our soul. It's meant to be, it's meant to help our soul out and it's it's meant to help us master our soul. Now, I didn't grow up as a sailor and that could be a surprise to you, I don't know. Um, I didn't grow up sailing the high seas, Um, yarg, Um, but... But I know what an anchor does, right? I think most of us knows, know um, the, the function of an anchor and that it's, it's meant to help ships really bed down. If they're in a storm, they drop their anchor down and it helps uh, stay them. It helps them to stay stable within that storm. Um, but what I didn't really put, well, I didn't put two and two together, I guess. What I didn't really know was that in casting your anchor, It's not meant to be put exactly where the ship is. It's meant to be cast further away from the ship in ground that is solid. Makes sense, right? Because if you put it where you are, um, that's not going to help. You're where the storm is. You're where that sinking sand is. You're where that unstable ground is. And so if you place your anchor in that situation, that's not going to help anyone, is it? And so I love that this this verse gives us such a picture for our hope. You see, when we begin to hope in the situation that we're currently in, for me that looked like hoping in what I did, that everything was on my shoulders, that what I was doing in my own strength, that was the source of my hope. The fact that I was thinking, you know, maybe if I just encouraged this person a bit more, maybe if I just um, uh, served them a little bit more, maybe was a bit more mindful of them, then then that surely that would change the situation that was becoming the source of my hope and with the house as well it's like it was on what we could do and what 
our agent could do. And that's where I was deriving my hope from. And so in the times where we felt like there was nothing else we could do, that's when my hope would dip because my hope was in what I was trying to do. I was trying to put my anchor in my situation when God's like, hang on, no, don't put your anchor in that same sinking sand that you're in, in that situation you're in, because that's not going to lead you to weathering the storm. That's not going to help you stay stable in these situations. But you need to put your anchor in the ground that is firm. You need to put your anchor in the things above. You need to put your anchor where Jesus is. Yes, he's run behind the curtain, but we know that he is doing his part on the other side of the curtain. And so that's where we're, we're meant to put our anchor in. That's the ground. That's where we're meant to put our hope in, where Jesus is, not in our situation. So again, yes, that thought's helpful, but how do we do that? How do we do that? That's when God brought me to Colossians 3.1. And it says this, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Come on, that's talking about Easter. That's talking about how through Jesus' death and resurrection, we too have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, where our anchor is. Come on, that's where it's meant to be. Where Christ is, get where he is. He is seated at the right hand of God. He is seated. So the right hand is representative of strength. He is seated in a position of strength right beside our heavenly father. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Just like your anchor, just like your hope, your life is with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to be setting our minds, setting our hearts on the things that are above, not on earthly things. Like I just explained with my situation, I was thinking about earthly things, about what I could do, what I could do in my strength. And I I put it out to you this morning to question for yourself if this is where you're at. What are you setting your heart and your mind in? Is it earthly things? You know, I was talking a bit about drama and TV shows and things before. Are you getting are you getting involved in dramas that are really unnecessary to your life? Are you giving into emotions and thoughts that are not helping to set your mind on Christ, but are helping you to set your mind on on yeah, doubt and and all the things that are going wrong in your situation? How are you setting your heart and setting your mind? And I love that it says heart and mind. Because those two are different things. Your heart, where are you setting your affections? Where, where are you setting you know, your, your, your love? Where, where are you setting that emotional part of you? But your mind as well. Where are you anchoring your thoughts? Where are you allowing your mind to drift off to in the situation that you're in? That's a good question to ask yourself. What are some things we can do to set our heart and our mind Pastor Nate announced it this morning, overflow, tonight. That's a perfect opportunity to set both your heart and your mind. As your heart is being open to God, your mind is connecting with the lyrics of songs that are filled with hope, that are filled with, with, with words just about how good God is and everything that Jesus has accomplished. Worship, that's a perfect opportunity to set your heart and to set your mind. 
You know, testimonies are another thing that I just love to hear. I love it when you post a testimony on the city. I love when you come and tell me those amazing things that have happened throughout your week because it helps me. I know it sounds selfish right now. It helps me to set my heart and my mind on God, on heavenly things, not on earthly things. And, you know, I'm not one of those Christians that's like, let's live up in the clouds with God and just disregard everything that's going on and I hope this message shows you that that it's okay to feel it's okay to be real about your situation but there's a point we got to get to where we're switching where we're switching our hearts focus and our minds focus on the things above you know I think lift groups are another amazing thing I know it sounds like I'm kind of pumping our church I am I think church is amazing I think church needs to be a place of hope. Come on, if something's going wrong in your life, why would you not want to come to church? Uh, And as a pastor, I should be the one that's sick of church, right? Because I live and breathe. If there's anyone who's sick of church, it should be us. But church is the first, we want to be with you when we're going through a hard time because we want your testimonies. We want to worship with you corporately. We want to, we just want to, be those people that set our hearts and our minds on the things above. And so those are some practical things that we can do. But this morning, I I, I didn't really anticipate that we'd have an altar call and and things like that for this message because I just really believe that we need to get practical about our faith. That yes, we need to go out with that truth and that belief that God is, that Jesus is yes, behind the curtain, but he's at work. He is doing everything um, possible to work things out for our good. And, and then we need to live that out. We need to live that, that belief out and set our hearts and our minds. So really I wanted today to be practical, to send you out with some things that you could do, some things that you could really embrace this week. And so I hope that's been helpful for you. Um, And so right now, um, actually I'll invite the band to come back up because we would love to pray with you. Like I was saying, I love coming here in my tough situations and so we'd love to invite you to come and receive prayer if that's where you are, are at and you're just wanting someone to come alongside you and pray God things for you um, and to help lift your faith we would love to do that and our elders are all ready to stand with you in prayer but this morning as well I would love to invite you to know thanks to know Jesus to know this anchor for your soul for yourself personally maybe you've never never really done that personally maybe you've been here you've been coming to church but Jesus isn't an anchor for you. He's never really been a source of strength for you. And today, I want to give you that opportunity to make him the anchor for your soul, to make him the strength of your life so that when you are going through those trials, when you are going through those storms, you know that you're not alone. You know that God is so for you. He's not against you, that he is working things out for your good and that you can trust in him but as well so that in your situation, not after your situation, but during your pain, you can know the anchor that is Christ. You can have this safe place. You can have this steady, strong place that helps you just get through those storms. And so this morning, oh, 
receiving Christ into your life, asking him into your heart is literally that. It's praying, it's asking God, it's talking to him and saying, hey, I want you to come into my situation. I want to make you the Lord, the anchor for my soul in my life. And so if I can get everyone to please bow your heads and close your eyes. And we do this because it's, it's a personal moment. And often we get distracted in prayer. And so this is kind of just how we pray. But I would love to have you all repeat this after me. And so if you're saying this for the first time, no, you're not alone. We're going to be saying this with you. So just repeating these words. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. I thank you that you are the anchor for my soul. I thank you that I'm never alone, but you're with me. So God, come into my heart. And be my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.